Hey, good morning. Hey, I'm Charlie. If you're new here, I'm the, the lead pastor here, man. We're really glad that you're with us. Like Mark said, we're in the series talking about some minor characters from the Bible. It's really some, some really cool stories um, here and some people that we may not normally talk about. And I'm um, getting ready for this, um, for this week. I, I begin to think about um, a lot of the, the Christian jargon that we use. I try really hard. I try really hard on Sunday, first of all, to not use vocabulary words that that you know that that are that most people don't know. And I also try to avoid a lot of jargon, a lot of Christian things that just kind of Christians say around each other. In part because we have a lot of people here who you know who aren't really didn't really grow up going to a part of church. Maybe haven't been to church you know in a while. Maybe it's your first church experience and. And then plus, I think after a while, you start saying these kind of same Christian-y phrases over and over again, then you, you, they start to lose their meaning. And I'll show you what I mean here in a second. I don't want to project this onto you, but you know, I, I, I kind of grew up hearing what, what, what sounded like the same message every week. And, and they would just, and we'd just say the same things. It was just these same phrases. And on the one hand, it's really easy to listen to because you don't really have to listen to it at all because it's these same things. You, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it can be annoying if you're actually wanting to actually, you know, encounter something different. So it would go, go, go something like this, you know. I mean, some, hey, some of you, man, you're lost. You're, you're just lost. And, and you're struggling with sin. But let me tell you, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to your struggle. And if you will just invite Jesus Christ into your life, if you'll just invite him in, uh, then he'll give you new life and, and, and he'll come to live inside you because he died on the cross for your sins. And then you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll be able to walk with God for the rest of your life. Like, oh, man, that, was, man, that was good, man. That was good. That was a good little, was a good little devotional, man. I learned, like, what did I just say? Right? If I were to take each one of those phrases and say, what does that mean? We might would struggle. Oh man, no man, no Jesus, man, Jesus, Holy Spirit, sin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, we, but they become too common. I'll just this, this is one of my favorite examples. How many of you? I use this phrase. How many of you just say you struggle with sin? All right? Okay, okay, okay. Let's define the word struggle. To battle hard against. How many of you um, are not struggling with sin, but just actively participating in sin? <laughs> Right? Struggling with sin implies something, but we've just kind of used it as this expression to mean sinning. But it's not what it means. It means to struggle. I'm fighting. And honestly, most of us don't struggle with sin. And so it's important for us, I think, to either avoid the jargon or to slow down enough to make sure that we understand what it is we're saying. And so there's, um, there's a passage we're going to be looking at today, Genesis 5, and I've been thinking about this all week. Because one of those expressions is here. And um, I think about these expressions like, man, there was a time, whatever Christian lingo or expression or metaphor or thing on the, that your grandma cross-stitched for you or is the inspirational poster with the cat or the, or the bumper sticker, you know, um, um, what is it? Uh, too blessed to be stressed. That's, no, that's not it. That's a... Uh, 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 Christians aren't perfect, we're just forgiven, be, be patient with me, God's not finished with me yet, all these things that you shouldn't ever say. <laughs> but there was a time when these things were said for the first time. 
and they had a richness and a fullness, and it was just kind of like a mind-blowing moment where there was a particular illustration or a particular way of saying something or a particular metaphor where it was said for the first time. And it kind of really became, things become cliches and, and common jargon because they have such a power to them and for it to last thousands of years. And so that's what we have here in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Just to let you guys know where we are, we just finished up the story of Adam and Eve and the garden, and then Cain and Abel, their two sons, and one of them killed the other one. And we kind of finished that story, and we haven't gotten to Noah and the ark yet. So right in between these are the genealogies where it says, you know, this person was this person's dad and this was this person's dad. How many of you just love that when you're reading the Bible through in a year? Don't lie, you do love it, and you know why? Because you don't stop and read it, right? You just go, I had three chapters today, like five seconds, it was amazing. And I learned all about the begats, and this person was begatting. If, you're, if your translation says begat, you probably should get a different translation because you intuitively know what that word means, but you don't, just use, just anyways. Uh, begat. Okay, so this is in the middle of one of those, and so you've read over it a few times. Um, and we miss it because every now and then, man, God will do this. He'll just kind of drop a nugget in the middle of one of them. So-and-so is this person's, and then he died, and then this person has a son, and then he died. Right in the middle of this, in Genesis chapter 5, we have a story, or at least a bri- not really a story, really, just a brief description of a guy named Enoch. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more, because God took him away. That's it. That's, that's all we have on this guy. And so in, in, this, in this very brief description of Enoch, it describes him as someone, in this translation in Navi, it says that he walked faithfully with God. He walked faithfully with God for 365 years. And then it says that he was no more because God took him away. Now we have a lot of different metaphors that we use to describe death. You know, passed away. Um, he, he, he's gone to a better place. We, we use these things where we don't want to say died. And so part of us are inclined to kind of look at that and say, maybe this is some sort of metaphor for, for, for death. God took him away. He, he died. That's actually, you know, I've, maybe I've even said that before. You know, God, God, took, God took him, right? And that means died. But it doesn't mean died. Because all throughout this passage, all throughout Genesis 5, it just says, this person had this son and this son... You know, and then he lived for so many years after that son was born, and then he died, and you go to the next son. And here in our description of Enoch, it says he has a son, Methuselah, not necessarily his first son, but it was the one that is in the, the, the genealogy of Noah. And it says, you know, and so then he lived these many years, and he walked faithfully with God, and then he wasn't anymore because God took him away. Which what it's talking about here is that God just brought him with him. And we really only have one, maybe two other incidences in the Bible. One was a guy named Elijah, one of the prophets we'll see a bit later in second, first and second Kings Chronicles in there. Uh, it talks about him. I mean, there's lots of stories about him. He's a very major character 
uh, in that story. And it says that eventually God just kind of put him in a chariot and brought him up to heaven. Same thing happens to Jesus. Jesus did die once, but then when he came back to life, he didn't die again. God just brought him back to heaven. He just brought him up. And that's the description here of this guy Enoch, that he, he, was, he walked with God, he was in this close relationship with God, and it would seem that what happens is, is that God was like, man, our relationship is so good and so close, why don't you just come on up? And, and, just, and just brings him up there to be with him. And so, wow, it's a pretty amazing guy. I mean, this is a unique story. A unique story, and and there's not a whole lot of details, but it does describe him this way. It says, he walked with God. Now, that may not seem like an earth-shattering description of a guy. That is an expression that Christians like to use a lot. You know, man, I'm 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 walking with God. Man, how's how's your walk doing? Well, I'm I'm struggling. I'm I'm struggling right now, but I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to walk with God day by day. And we just kind of, we kind of use this expression. And it's kind of become part of the lingo. But this, man, this is the first time we've seen this. I mean, this is the first time probably this was ever written down. It's a description of this guy Enoch, and it's also used in the next chapter to describe Noah. And really, that's it. And it describes them both as having walked with God. And so we think we know what that means, but we have to stop, man. If this is the first time that this has been said and used, man, what, what do they mean? And so it's important. We do this every now and then. You kind of have to look maybe at the original language. And sometimes you look at the original language and you come up with some unique particular insight into the word. And so if you have a different translation, I've noticed some of them say that Enoch was in close fellowship with God or walked closely or walked with God. Use all these different ideas. And so you go and look, and unlike in other times, there's just no insight to be got in here. So what does it mean? You, you look at the original language, and, and the word that is translated walked is, is, is like a description of when your feet go in front of each other one at a time like this, and you go from one place to another. It just, it just means walk, and, 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 and God means God. And so what, what it's saying is, it's just using this metaphor that this guy Enoch walked, just like we mean walk, he just walked with God. And so maybe that metaphor, maybe that metaphor makes sense right away, or maybe it doesn't. But if you think about it, I mean, these, these people were, you know, they were most likely, everybody here was kind of a self-sustaining farmer. And so this guy, he didn't have a desk job. He didn't have a car. You know, I mean, he was just a guy. He was just a guy and was a farmer. And he spent most of his life when he was awake walking, walking around his farm, walking around, gathering gathering crops. I mean, he was, he was a walker. He just walked. His whole life was walking. Our life is not walking. We don't walk a whole lot. We walk from car to door and door to chair. We, we, we sit a lot. We drive a lot. We don't walk. But if you were going to say to someone in this air, you know, talking about him walking, I mean, you're talking about the way that this person's life is. And so this is what he did most of his day every day. He walked And it says to describe him, and it describes him this way two times, that he walked 
with God. And so whatever that means, to walk with God, to basically to to live your life in such a way that in everything that He's doing, in the way that He is conducting and living and just being in His life, God is with Him. He's doing this with God. And so because he was walking so closely with God, had this kind of relationship and fellowship with God, it was so close that it says that God just, God just took him. Man, we're so close. Why don't we just do this face to face? Now, again, for a lot of you, you've been around here a few times or you've been to church a few times, you kind of know how this works. You kind of know how church works and sermons work. You kind of tell a story, you look at a Bible passage, you explain something, and then we get to the part where it's like, okay, well, now, now you're just going to, okay, now you tell me what to do. That's why I come here. I come here so you, you, you tell a Bible story and then blah, 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 and just tell me, what, tell, me what, tell me what to do. This is what you do. Now's the part, okay, I get it, and I'm not new. And even if I'm new, I'm not dumb. Blah, 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 Enoch, blah, 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 close with God, blah, blah, blah. And here's how you should be Enoch. Now, here's three things that you need to do to be just like Enoch. And that's kind of the way that we kind of approach things. But I'm just going to say this. What if? What if what do I do? What if it's the wrong question? We look at this guy Enoch and he, and he, and he lived this life and it described him as walking with God and in such a close way that God just brought him to be with him. And then we ask, what, what, do I, well, what do I need to do to be like him? What do I need to do to be like Enoch? What if what do I do is the wrong question? What if it's just the wrong question at all to ask? And some of you are thinking, man, I don't know any other question to ask. Because the reality is this. I don't know if you were here. This was several months ago. It was really fascinating to me. Brandy uh, Harris was hosting, and, and she said, man, I've, I've, got, I've gotten this, heard this rumor that there are a lot of left-handed people that come to the Grove. How many people here in the room are left-handed? She did it both services. And um, the normal population is like 9 10%, something like that. And I swear 30% of the people there that day raised their hand. And it was awesome because left-handed people are amazing. Um, but it's not, it's not surprising. I mean, I... I like attracts like, and, and typically left-handed people, man, they're just kind of like, they, they, I, I, I think logically in this way, and, and we're what I call thinkers and doers. You tell me what I'm supposed to think, and you tell me what I'm supposed to do, and I will think those things, and I will do those things, and then we'll, we'll figure it out, right? And, and, and so that's kind of where, that, that's, where our, that's where our brain goes. Just tell me what to do. Well, I can't tell you because there's nothing there. And part of me thinks that, that, that the reason why we don't get a, a whole lot of details is I think God wanted us to stop and, and, and slow down a little bit and say, man, what does this mean? Well, let's just be honest. If we were to go to and say, man, what did Enoch do that we should be doing? Well, I mean, there's bad news in there, especially for me. So I will have a little trivia question, a couple of them. Um, did Enoch go to church? You can answer out loud if it's okay. No one will be mad. You think Enoch went to church? Come on, say it with confidence. The answer is obvious. It's not a trick. No, why didn't he go to church? There was no such thing. No such thing. No such thing as church. Okay, this one's risky too. Did Enoch read his Bible? No. Why not? There was no Bible. They didn't even have an alphabet. Right? I mean, they just just wasn't. 
But this is what the thing that we do, man. This is, this is church, right? This is a sermon. All right, okay, guys, we need to walk close with God. So here's what you need to do. You need to, you need, you need to come to church. You need to come to church. You need to give to the church. You wasn't doing that either. You need, to, you need to read the Bible. He wasn't doing that. You need to go to a small group. Maybe, maybe he was in a small group. I don't know. It doesn't really say. Maybe he was in a small group. I don't know. Maybe he had a little, I guess it wasn't a Bible study. Um, a little, uh, just a little time. Talk about God together with the fam there around the, around the fire near the cave. I, I don't know. But all the things that we say that you're supposed to do, he wasn't doing them. Because it was a completely different time, but it describes him in such a way of being just close and intimate with God. I think what do I do is is the wrong question. So let me ask two questions that I think are a little bit better to kind of help us process what Enoch was really like and how we really can be more like him. And the first one is this, is do I want this? So I described to you a guy with a close personal relationship with God and so close and such intimate fellowship that it would be best to describe him as everything he's doing and going about his day. As he's doing and living his life, he is aware that God is always with him. He is constantly and fully aware of God's presence in his life at every moment of his day. He's that close to God. And I say, do you want that? And you're like, man, for one hour on Sunday, I feel like the answer to that should be yes. Of course, pastor. That's why I'm here, because that's what I want more than anything in the world, is close, intimate fellowship with God. But I don't know that that's really true. And, and I'll use an example, and this is, this is not a great example, but anyways. So I ask you this, do you want me with you all day? And I'm not saying that because of my personality. I, you know, I'm not saying that because I would just you think I would, I, would, I would wear you out. I'm actually more chill than you probably would realize in my normal life. Um, but, just, but, just, but just me. Because I've noticed this, and I say this, I weird every room that I walk into. Right? Oh, pastor's here. So can I, can I, can I share a pet peeve with you just real quick? Sure you can. You have a microphone. Um, I, I hate this. I hate this. I hate it. There's some things I jokingly hate, and this I just I just hate. So 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 you walk into a restaurant, I see somebody, some see somebody that that, that that goes to church, and I see them, and 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 you know what? They have a, they have a beer in their hand, or or a glass of wine, or worse maybe like a smaller glass with something brown in it. And then, oh, 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 pastor's here. Everybody hide the beer. <laughs> oh, everybody watch language. Pastor's here. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not. Man, either you should or shouldn't be doing it. If you shouldn't be doing it, it doesn't matter if I'm there or not. And if it's fine, it's fine whether I'm there or not. Okay? Just stop it. Just stop it. I don't know how you clowns are. Next time you see me, you're going to do just that, and then I'm going to have to punch you. I'm going to call the police. It's going to be a paper. Let's just skip it. Let's just skip it. Okay? So we have this thing where it's just like, man, if he were going to be here, I I would would have to change this. I would have to change this. I would have to change this. I would have to change this. If I were to say to you, man, um, you know, people make these kinds of decisions all the time. Hey, man, you want to have an exchange student in your house for a year? Oh, I don't know. 
oh, we would have to, we'd have to give this up, and this would change, this would change, this would change. Couples without kids, man, if, I'm not, if we're going to have a kid, this is going to change, this is going to change. Should, should I get married? Should, should, I, should I even date? Do I, do I, do I want a roommate? Our, our brain immediately goes to all the things about me that would have to change if I entered into this kind of relationship. And if I were to say to you that you're going to be living a life in close fellowship where you're constantly aware of God's presence in your life, your brain immediately goes to, man, there'd be a lot of things that, I, that I'm doing that I would feel really uncomfortable if I were aware that God was here. You know, and, and, and maybe that's not what I want. You know, there's some things that I do, especially when, when, I, when, I, when, when the lights are off and, and I'm convinced that no one is there. If I were to live my life aware that in that moment that God is with me and I'm walking with Him, I don't, I don't know. I don't know this is, this is what I want. But the reality of it is, in the most... In, in, in the strictest sense of the phrase walking with God, you're already walking with God. He's already there with you. But the question is, do we have this kind of intimate walking together? He's already there. And I think it's important too, and again, this is the same way people make the decisions all the time. Should I get married? Should I have a kid? You know, all these things. Sure, there's all these things that, that you lose, but you think about all the things that you gain. And the things that you gain are nothing compared to the things that you, that you supposedly have to give up and to lose because the things that we really need. Let me just say it this way. What, what if the all-powerful God of the universe who loves you more than anything, who not only could speak the universe into existence with His words, but also cares enough about the individual people in this life to walk closely with each one of them if they will let Him? What if that God was with you all the time? What would you lack? Well, I would still lack some of the same things. I would lack the job that I want, the money. No, 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 no. Those are the things you think that you lack. Those are the things that you're trying to fill a hole with, you're trying to fill some gap with, that no amount of will satisfy. But the things that we really lack, hope and faith and, 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 and joy and peace, those are the things that you would, you would never lack. So even though we have to be honest, if we're going to be honest that, that do I want this, that the answer at least sometimes is no. I think that is something that we should at least want to want. Or I wish I wanted to want this. Where what God is offering, if we walk closely with Him, is amazing. So that's the first question. Do I want this? And so we're just trying to, we're at least, we, at least want, we at least want to say yes to that. I want this. And the, and the second question is this. Who, who must I be? Not what do I do. Not, not what, do, what do I need to think. What do I need to believe differently. What, what piece of my theology is wrong. What, what perspective do I have that needs to shift. You know, what, what am I doing that I need to stop doing. What am I not doing that I need to start doing. Not what do I do. What am I supposed to think? Tell me what to believe. But who, who must I be? And I think, again, if we are all, at least in most of us, a good portion of us, or at least in part, you know, thinkers and doers, 
there's something about that question that doesn't even really make a whole lot of sense. I say, who must I be? And your brain goes to, what do I need to do? You still, you're still just making. We're, just, we're making to-do lists. I mean, it's like, eventually, dude, are you not going to get to the point to where you tell us what we're supposed to do? Sure. Read the Bible. Go to church. Pray. Give. Get in a small group. But those are just things. That's not what Enoch... Enoch it, was, it was a state of being with him. It was who he was. And I honestly think that for a lot of us, whatever that question means is probably a huge difference between where we are right now in our relationship with God and where we could be. Trying to just to figure out what that means. To so try to say, and I'm not going to think about it in terms of the stuff I have to do every day and, and the stuff that I'm supposed to believe and the, and the right things, but instead, who am I, who must I be? I want to be someone who lives in constant awareness of God's presence in my life with a desire for relationship. So in that phrase, I'm going to live in constant awareness with a desire for relationship. Man, there's just a lot in there. First of all, it, 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 you have to recognize, man, that God is everywhere. God is big and He's noticing everything. And He is always present, so God needs to get big. But He also wants to have a relationship with you, and so in some ways He's got to get small again. So He is big enough to be everywhere and small enough, at least focused enough, interested enough to want relationship with you. And there are a lot of religions out there. There's a lot of things that say that they're worshiping God and they say, well, you know, this religion worships the same God that the Christians do. And I assure you, that's not the case. Just because God is a big creator God does not mean that God is also intimately interested in relationship with you. And I assure you that that idea is unique. And some of us don't believe in a God big enough that my life needs to adjust. And some of us don't believe a God who cares enough to want to be there with us. But what if I, what would, it, what would it look like? What would it look like for me to be the kind of person that lives in constant awareness of God's presence with a desire for relationship with Him? And then the things that you're supposed to believe about God, man, they flow from that. The things that you're supposed to do flow from that. God would be like, man, you totally, man, you need to be connecting with other people and worshiping. You totally should do that. And Man, I, 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 over the course of couple thousand years I, I put this book together and it really has my thoughts and the things that I want to communicate to you should totally do that. Hey, it's important for you and your finance. All the things, they flow out of that. But it needs to begin here with this idea that I am aware of God's presence in every moment and I, and I want to have relationship with Him. And I think it's important, and I'm going to try to avoid as much jargon as I can here. I think it's important for us at this moment to make sure that we're really clear on, on how this even happens. Because the reality of it is, is that our sin, the things that we have done, man, these sins, the, the, the evil that we have done, man, these are not just bad things that we do, but it's, it's rebellion against God. It's, it's hurting God. It, it is damaged 
irreparably damaged your relationship with God. But again, because God loves us so much, even the thing that appears to be unfixable, He said, I have to fix it. So He sent His Son Jesus, not simply just to show us how to live, which He did, which was amazing, but He also died. He died as a sacrifice because God has said that because of our sin, we deserve death. And Jesus said, give that, give that to me. I'll, I'll die instead of them. And so he died for you. That's a phrase we use. Jesus died for your sins. He died so you don't have to die. This spiritual death, this separation that we have. And because of that, because of what Jesus did, close fellowship, walking with God is possible. And so for some of us here, I say, man, you need to, I want you to walk with God. And some of you, it's going to begin in that moment. Because we never have taken a time where we've really had the moment where we believe and understand that I desperately need Jesus and His death on the cross for me in order to fix this, to bring me forgiveness, to restore me with God so that then I can start the walk. And so if that's you, I encourage you to do that today. I encourage you to put it on a connection card and let us know that we can help you start this walk because it begins with Jesus. And maybe even in that, there was too much cliche and Christian speak and you still don't understand. If you still don't understand even what that means, put that on a connection card. Come talk to somebody. We'd love to help you understand what it really means to trust and follow in Jesus. But once you've done that, now we have to decide, am I going to be someone who walks with God? So maybe we just need to spend a few minutes just asking God to help our want to, that I really want to do this. Or maybe we need to spend the next 10 minutes while we're, while we're singing worship songs to realize we're not just having a group sing-along. But during this moment, I'm going to be constantly aware of the presence of the God to whom I'm singing. That I'm saying these things about Him. I am loving Him. I'm giving my devotion and joy and, and music of, and worship. I'm giving it to Him. So we're going to worship. We're gonna, we have opportunities to pray. The prayer team can pray with you. There's prayer candles. There's communion. There's lots of ways for us to take tangible responses to a very vague but amazing thing that God is offering us. Walking with Him. Close, intimate fellowship with God. So however you're feeling led to respond, man, I would encourage you to do that. Let me pray.